Welcome to the Modern Day Slave Podcast. See, the new slavery in these days is mind control. If you control the mind, you can control the people. This podcast is dedicated to the re-education and awareness of our modern influences through the examination of current and historical circumstances that have led to conditions that we now live. Welcome to your freedom. All right, all right, all right. So happy first day of the week to everyone. I do have the guest in the room today. So let me do this. I am going to get her set up. And invite her to come into the room. Let's see here. So let me send her invite really quick to speak on this important topic. Okay, I'm here. Yep, I hear you. I hear you. Can you hear me loud and clear? Yes, sir. I can. Thank you. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Thank you for again joining and at such you know short notice being able to jump on and do this. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Nick. I'm I'm honored to be here. And, you know, this is a very important topic. I reached out, you know, to a good dear friend of mine, and I'm so grateful that he, you know, he had the right connections. And lo and behold, this conversation has been allowed to take place. And for all of those that, that have, you know, followed or, or listened to a lot of what I've laid out on the podcast, you know, I, I, it's been fitting that we bring this on an overstanding word podcast, because today we're talking about really the true reality. The title of this is called Let's Talk Justice. And when we think of our modern day justice system, one of the things that we, we have to take into consideration is the fact that it was created by supposed just men. One of its main forefathers, Thomas Jefferson, once said that the most sacred of the duties of a government is to do equal and impartial justice to all, all its citizens. That we, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, and provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution of the United States of America. But he also said this. He said that I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just, that his justice cannot sleep forever. And this was said at the same time of owning slaves. So when we look at this whole thing that we created, what's called a justice system, justice is established under a principle of truth. So what have we done and what have the founding fathers of this nation done to uphold those strong views that they held around this thing called justice. Now, the fight for true justice started from the inception of the Constitution, and it continues today. 
Martin Luther King once said in 1963 that injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And whatever affects one directly affects all. Again, that word all, all indirectly. Now we are here to talk some truth to power. And I am so grateful to have my dear sister, the queen, Cara Boy Connors, who is also an attorney as well, with us to talk about this, this subject. Thank you, Nick. Thank you so much for having me. It is the truly the pleasure is all mine, and I thank you for spending this time because I know this time is going to be well spent in being able to bring about uh, some knowledge that people really may or may not know about what is going on right now with our justice system. We've got several topics that we want to talk through, but before we get into those topics, before we even dive into that, I want to talk about you for a moment. Okay. Now I understand you've got some 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 really good history here. I want you to tell the people a little bit about you know your history. What do you do in a professional, as well as a little bit about you know your personal aspect. Just to just allow people to get to know as much as you would like for them to know about you. Sure. Thank you. Thank you so much. Again, I'm just honored to be here, and you you're so well versed, and you know, and it's just amazing that we have individuals who represent you know what they speak and you you my good brother nick are definitely one of those who walk the walk and um talk the walk as well so um it's just it's just amazing that you can you can use your voice for that that goodwill in the community but um but for myself i'm i'm just the public servant um uh, a lawyer, as you stated, I've, um, you know, I've done public service all, all most of my legal career, started off um, working as a hearing officer for the state and worked for as a prosecutor for a brief moment and then into the parole board. But while I was at the parole board, I did have somewhat of an epiphany and I learned that I, I could do more um on the as i advocate as an advocate for those uh -huh. who are in this face in this criminal justice system um and just be representing governmental clients for five years um i got somewhat disenchanted for lack of better terms uh -huh. and then went into private practice where i've done uh, primarily criminal defense for the last five to six years um and just you know fighting for people fighting for that justice for all that, that you that you speak about that our forefathers um you know believed was was attainable for everyone so mm -hmm. in that in that fight in that seek in seeking that justice you know i believed that it was there's another level of um not advocacy but um you know basically manifesting that justice um yes, aside yes. from an, from from as an advocate so how do i man what's the essence of manifesting that justice and that is to be lady justice to be um the person that can ensure justice is being administered and rendered fairly and equally for all and so i've i've since um announced my candidacy for judge um Yes. After, after after being an advocate 
for those who can't advocate for themselves and representing those that are traditionally underrepresented or, um, you know, not uh, heard or are not interested, have been uh, historically uh, disenfranchised, I decided that I would like to take it to another level and, and seek um, to be the balance maker. Um, and as a judge, being that balance maker, I can protect those tenants that you that you spoke so fondly about. And so I've, I've announced my candidacy for judge here in Pulaski County, yes. Arkansas. That's awesome. That are, that are um, from the Arkansas area who are listening. So the election is in May, May 24th. Um, and so I just want to be that change to ensure justice is, 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 is real. Um, and it's attainable for all that is uh-huh. not like this. Um, when you speak about the way you speak about it, uh, um, it, it almost sounds, um, mythic. I mean, it's almost, <laughs> it's almost <laughs> like, wow, our forefathers had such a, you know, profound way and prolific way uh-huh. of, of, you know, painting what our lives and future should look like. But sometimes it just doesn't appear that way. Um, And me being a litigant every day fighting Mm -hmm. in this world, you know, dealing with the issues that our justice system is, is created to, to protect you don't, it almost feels just that mythic and, and unattainable and, um, you know, as if it was sand in your hand, you know, running out. And so I want to change that perception of the bench. I want to change that perception of justice and be someone that can walk, walk the walk and talk the talk as you do, um, um, Nick. So that's, that's all, that's all I got for me. I'm a mother. I'm a, I'm a wife. I've got two beautiful girls. Um, and, uh, Gia, they're six and eleven. Garen's eleven. Okay. Gia's six. Awesome. My husband Gary, he's he's a lifelong resident of Little Rock. Okay. He's a, works at the post office. Been here all his life. Um, and we're just, you know, we're black folks trying to make a change. Black folks living in this community, working hard, and dealing with everyday issues. But public servants at the end of the day, and we want to. We want to make an impact on the communities that we live and work in. I love that. And there's there's mm-hmm. several things that you shared just now that I, I want to go back. One, I want to go back to and ask you this question. You mentioned, you know, being that that essence is to be the lady of justice. And you mentioned mm-hmm. that epiphany moment. What what led to that epiphany moment? Tell me a little bit more about that. It, well, I was a hearing judge for the parole board and I, what I, you know, as a prosecutor, you, you want to represent the interests of those that are facing, you know, that have suffered a loss. Usually, um, you, you represent victims of crime because there is a, there is that element to the justice system, right? Those that have suffered an injustice, um, as a result of a crime, um, but, but also those charged with a crime. And so when I was initially introduced to the justice system, it was as a as a prosecutor. And in essence, you're thinking you're the good guy. Right. You're the one Mm -hmm. protecting, (laughs) protecting, you know, your community, which you you are. 
You are, but there's some there is an element of it where you see systemic. this disparate impact. Yes, you see this disparate systemic impact um where when you are in your whole efforts of seeking, you know, that justice for your victim or for whomever has suffered a loss or whether it be from a petty crime to, you know, someone stole my purse, you know, someone broke into my car to, you know, someone that has been lost the life of a child or, you know, to gun violence or, um, you know, um, you know, uh, drunk driving. I mean, all those, those types of cases I handled, you want to, you want to mm-hmm. do good and you want to do yes. right. Um, and you want to protect because you, I mean, you, that can happen to anyone, right? Yeah. Someone has all, someone has we always make suffered. A, yes, we make mistakes. And so you want to, you want to protect that interest as well. But then after you do it, you want to see that it's making an impact and that those that are facing these crimes, you know, are changed or that their, you know, their lives are gone in a different trajectory. And it's sometimes you're you're boxed into an outcome, you're boxed into a law, you're boxed into a minimum um, sentence. And you can't do anything about that as a prosecutor many times or as as rep, as the state, because there's legislative um, standards that impact how you you protect the community, because there's laws that govern how that what that looks like. Um, and so you get saddened sometimes because you don't feel the result of your of your good the fruits field. of your labor fruits of your labor essentially or you feel like there's a disparate impact on certain communities um and so that was part of it um i was i was a prosecutor then i went to the parole board and then i just saw how the criminal justice system impacted not only those charged Mm -hmm. with the crime facing the sentence but their families there you go and just now, just seeing how difficult these they're not only sending sending them to prison yeah. impacted them, but their families. That's it. Because you're not only you're not only protecting those that face the crime, but you know you're you're it's a the when the one defendant is punished, you punishing the whole family or community that's attached to that defendant. So yes. it's almost a lose lose um, when you're when you're facing that that type of, um, you know, obstacle. And so I just got to a point in my career where I felt this is, I'm not, I'm not administering justice the way I think it should be administered. I want to do something to, to make a more, um, you know, intentional impact. And I, I started defending those charged with crimes. And, and, you know, so here's the thing that's so beautiful about what you just said, because I remember some of the great leaders. If you think about the, the the Malcolm X, right, and the Martin Luther King, you think about those great leaders. Those leaders started to to face some of that same some of those same things that you're talking about that you're speaking of. You know, you you think back to one of Martin Luther King's last speeches. He talked a lot about it. He talked about the mountaintops, as a matter of fact. And and here's the reality. 
you mentioned something that's very, very important and very instrumental. And, and Brother Thomas, thank you so much for jumping on. I have Dr. Thomas Richburg um, here out of Phoenix with me. Uh, he's here. He's joined us as well. So, so thank you for joining this conversation. We really appreciate having you here as well. Uh, and, you know, you mentioned the fact that we as a people, there's been some time we've done some deeds, right? When it comes to us, we have to be honest with ourselves and admit that we haven't always done right to our brother and sister, right? Of course, the, the Constitution is built on that principle of what's called community, that principle of we the people, right? We haven't truly done that. And so when it comes to our criminal justice system, we have to stop first off and recognize that we haven't done what's right by our brothers and sisters. Now, that doesn't mean that there's an end, right? That means that we have the ability to recognize that we can do things a different way going forward. And in that recognition, in you recognizing what was taking place within the system and you recognizing the things that you were having to face on a day to day basis, that is what I believe has brought you to, you know, to where we are today, to where we journey to and having this conversation. So, you know, just thank you so much for, for one, sharing your insight on that piece, because I wanted to just dig a little bit deeper, find out what it was. What was that epiphany moment that happened for you that really shined a little bit of light? And you said, OK, here's what I, where my purpose is. This is what I need to do. This is where I'm going to focus on. And here's where I'm going to walk. So so that, you know, thank you for sharing that. And I, I want to move on a pivot just a second. And I want to pull out, you know, something that's going on right now. And I want to talk about it before we really just, you know, dive into a lot of the conversation that I want to have today. Um, right now, we've got a, a brand new Supreme Court justice that is up for nominee. And so I'm sure you're probably familiar with that, right? Yes, I'm excited about it as well. <laughs> So tell me, what do you know about our sister and tell me what she stands for and how does that relate to what you stand for? Well, I'm I'm learning so much about her as, you know, as she was being as she's being, you know, um, shared and interviewed and, um, you know, information is being shared about her. Um, but Judge Brown Jackson, she's from what I know, she's a former public defender. Um, I think she's a currently a judge on the circuit court level for the appellate court. Um, I'm not sure what circuit it is, um, but she did um, believe she um, was a law clerk for the current uh, one of the current justices um, that were that's on the Supreme Court. Uh -huh. and, and one thing that I do know. Um, is that she's also um, part of the U.S. Sentencing Commission, which is huge because that plays a huge role um, on mandatory sentences for federal mm -hmm. crime. And so her, in, you know, her impact on that um, obviously it will be, you know, resounding because that is how so many individuals are determined to be sentenced um, and that, you know, there's been so many issues with the mandatory sentences and um, taking into consideration factors that could um, exacerbate a sentence. And so um, having a former public defender on that commission means that those interests are, yes. are at, at least at the table, if, if, if not. The perspective. Being, um, yes, the perspective is at the table. Someone's advocating, I'm sure, 
for those um, for those that are charged with crimes and having to face that um, face those minimal uh, mandatory sentences. And so um, that that alone, I believe, will um, be a nuance to the Supreme Court um, that we've never had in yes. years prior um, and that she's an actual litigator. I mean, that's one thing about uh uh, many of the the justices that sit currently on the Supreme Court, uh, aside from Justice Sotomayor, I believe they are yeah. litigators. They have That's not it. really tried cases and handled cases as a as a lawyer. They were, you know, professors and in these academias that kind of have yes. this m- mythic approach to the law because um, when you don't have the practical um, just, you know, application of the law, you somewhat become detached from how it, you know, the law really is fundamentally impacting those that have to, you know, are using, they're using, being used against you or for you. Mm-hmm. And so having someone on the Supreme Court that has litigated and understands um, the how laws are um implied and impacted on those is very it's crucial so i'm excited um it uh, it gives me chill bumps to know <laughs> that i'm i'm running for judge at the same time that right. uh, some that uh someone is being nominated as a supreme court justice and so it's just it just shows the tide is definitely um, changing, and we just need to see that yes. that reflected in in our communities. Um, because it's one thing to see it on the on a you know a uh-huh. global landscape, but it's another to see it locally and um, organically in your in your community. So, yeah, I'm excited. And that's it. So, so people would argue that you know the real impact that you can that that you want to see is in your local community because that re- that's what really affects you when it comes to you know justice and and, and how our system is set up. And I know that a lot of the work that you have done connects directly with a lot of what you, what she mentioned. You know, you've worked with the judge before, right? And you've had the ability of being able to, you know, to be under on, uh, underneath the wings and to have a different broad lens. So you've had a different perspective to bring. And I know my brother Thomas, he, he has something to say. I want to let, allow him to jump in here as well. Well, awesome. First of all, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, you know, it's an honor to be here. Um, Nikhil, and, you know, it's good to see you there. I'm so excited about uh, what you're doing and also uh, for Kara, I'm telling you, you you have a voice and uh, I just want to encourage you a little bit and also speak to uh, what you have experienced and what you're yet going to experience uh, now that you have uh, taken on, you know, I congratulate you to uh, running for judge to impact your community because it goes like this, families build communities and communities build nations. So whatever you do there at the local community, believe me, it will have such an impact, it will reach the nation. So at this point, uh, you know, and what you're doing, I say you don't be timid, uh, just, just tell the people, you know, where, just draw the line in the sand, uh, so to speak. Because see, the thing is, even when we see what's going on, the nation, they act like they're a righteous nation and they say, yes, we're gonna do this, but they're still are not doing the things that they're supposed to do. 
you know, because they've still been impressing the people in the land. Uh, there's been a lot of that going on. They're still fighting. They're still quarreling on different platforms, mm -hmm. uh, all the way from your local municipalities, all the way up. Uh, so, you know, it's very, very important to let your voice be heard. And I believe that your, your voice is going to be a very strong voice uh, because you understand what it's like, first of all, to be able to go in and to see the things that you've seen. But your heart says, listen, I want to be that voice to free those who are wrongly yes. imprisoned, you know, uh, you know, and, and the thing and the lighten, of, lighten the burden of the people that's in the community. And also, you know, to get get those chains off of people that's been binded in their minds, because if you understand the law and you bring it in the right perspective, you can actually free them from the bondage of how they think things ought to be when you know better. And a lot of times attorneys they don't get that opportunity to to really share in that kind of way but i believe that your voice when it's been raised uh you know all those wounds that we have received even in our own community it can quickly be healed you know and and, and stop pointing the finger but yet make significant impact in what you're doing so that's uh, you know i just wanted to really encourage you uh with that and, thank uh, you, you know, thank I'm you brother thomas 100%. Thank you, Brother Thomas. I, I appreciate those words. And, you know, so so you mentioned something as well, right? Uh, there's been, what, five women on... So let's, let's talk justice on that level, right? There's been five women on, out of all of the justices in, in the period of time in which we have had. And how many of those have been a so-called black? Zero, right? And, and we know that right now with this two-party system that we're facing, right? If we think about the two-party system that we have, that right now the colleagues on the opposite side of that coin are speaking about, you know, the 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 fact of him choosing someone specifically that was going to be uh, of African American descent. What are your thoughts on that? Is that for me, Tom or Thomas? No, no. I wasn't sure. You no, I'm sure sorry, Cara. That is for you. That is for you, Cara. Okay. Um, I'm excited. I think it's long overdue. Um, I mean, it shows that the black woman is, you know, the black woman is the change that we're waiting to see. Um, as in the words of Malcolm X, we're the most underrepresented and, you um, you know, undervalued asset in this society. And so it's, it's amazing to see that that, that value and that equity, that sweat equity, equity is paying off. Um, but I think, you know, justice, I mean, uh, president Biden has gotten it right for once. <laughs> um, and so I think, you know, he knows and, 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 and everyone else around him knows that, that we're the answer to this, this, you know, disenfranchised, um, historically disenfranchised society. And it's time to, you know, bring someone that can represent that interest. And so yeah. I'm excited. I think it's long overdue. Um, Without a doubt. You know, we, I mean, I just think that the Supreme Court needs some someone of this demographic to come in and shake things up a bit. And, and just, I mean, now it won't change, I believe, um, it, mm -hmm. we will still have this uh, five to four um conservative ratio. That's right. ratio um and so 
I, it won't change that ratio, but I do think that the the historical impact uh-huh. and the the message um, from the 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 five prior women it it will send another resounding message. Um, so I, I'm excited about it. I, I'm I'm happy that it's being done, and it, it's I think it'll um, change the perception that uh that many have for black women um just because there's so mm-hmm. many in society that have not been introduced to us in this way so it's amazing it's amazing to see that she will you know just as soon to be justice uh brown jackson jackson brown will um will be that 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 monumental moment for so many people yeah, and I know she's been working, you know, with the appellate court uh, and you know, her confirmation came, I think it was about a year ago in D.C. in the District of Columbia. So I know she's been dealing with a lot of what's going on with this system, the way the way that it's set up and what we've been experiencing just of late. If we think just within the past, uh, you know, I would, I would go back and say probably past six years or so. And you look at a lot of the disparities that have even come out in that period of time you've got a lot let's just say you've got a lot of work that's uh that's ahead of you in, in regards to that and you know according to this this report that the UN put put out in 2018 it says that african americans are five times more likely than white americans to be arrested uh and then once arrested they're more likely to be commit, convicted and then it also talks about the fact that they experience a more lengthy prison sentence on average mm-hmm. And then it talks about the fact that even Hispanics, you know, are three times as likely. I want to I want to ask you this. What role has the way we've set up our system right now, which is, you know, if you think about the school to prison pipeline, which is, you know, this is literally something that, that, that has been faced. What role right now does the system and the way it's set up play in creating those type of statistics? Well, I mean, that's a loaded question. Uh, It's very loaded, (laughs) right? (laughs) There's so many elements to that. Um, Nick, it's just too... Let's go go on a basic level. Let's go in policing in the community. Can we go there? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think that there... I mean, first of all, as as the the brother that left talked about, you know, that families build communities. And so Uh I think there's so many reasons why the black family or any family uh, the, in a disenfranchised community has been um, somewhat eroded. Poverty. Um, poverty is one. I mean, property is one, uh, you know, just the lack of, of uh, historical wealth um, in certain communities. Okay. And so when you have that lack of wealth, which is directly connected to property, um, you, in my opinion, that, you know, is just a, a, a cesspool for other problems. And yeah. so you've been, then when you have that lack of wealth, you have that lack of family, then, you know, you have that lack of education. Right. And so because there isn't an emphasis in many homes where there's a lack of, of, um, financial wealth on education. And mm-hmm. so that that when that when that emphasis on education is not being um is not yes. being fostered yes. then you then you have what other societal influences that are there 
Um, and not to mention, you've got the the racial components um, that play a factor in it as well. So you've got all the, that's why I say it's a loaded Not question a- in my opinion, <laughs> because you've got, you know, you got to get to the historic, the, when you have historically disenfranchised communities that lack that financial uh-huh. um, foundation, then it's hard to, to, you know, change the trajectory of that, of their generations and to come um, they're, they're, you know, that's coming after or, or before, after them. And so that leads to, mm-hmm. you know, crimes being committed in their own communities against their own communities. Um, and then on to, you know, Jessica, um, you, we've got to somewhat interject into before it gets to prison. And that comes back to, building the family, building financial um, wealth and, you know, inputting into that educational system um, resources that will um, encourage those to to steer away from prison Um, and not that not being the only only option but you know the the policing is one element that policing is just one tenet of that but it it comes from generations and generations of not having um you know the access to wealth the the access the wealth access to resources and and then the and then on top of that because they there is no access then there's this oppression by certain folks that that oppression just you know compounds with that lack of resources so and the lack of resources comes from those that are that are that are creating this oppression um and it's just a cycle from there so you know it's just a cycle you bring up a very good point because it is and, and i think education is so so important um and you know that's again that's one of the reasons why i'm you know, I'm so glad to have you on here because I know that, you know, you've you've spent a ton of time. So talk to us really quick about how much, you know, how many years of education you've spent just learning and seeking the knowledge that it is. And that's not to mention the on the job time, the after hours, the late hours, the you know, all the all the work that you've put in. Talk to us a little bit about how much time you've spent in just just in schooling and then, you know, working in the community. So I was um, originally from I'm originally from Memphis, Tennessee. So of course, uh-huh. graduated from from school years there, and, and then I M-town. attended Hendrick. Yes, sir, <laughs> in town. I finished there and went on to um, to Hendricks College. In what made Conway, you choose Hendricks? What made you choose, well, choose Hendricks? I was looking for a small liberal arts college. Um, okay. I, you know, growing up in Memphis, it, you know, it's it, it was just a very diverse, um, you know, upbringing, and I was seeking a smaller yeah. environment mm-hmm. to give me new a new experience and just something that I could be more more than just the number, you know. And I was looking for smaller classrooms. Mm-hmm. Um, more one-on-one um, interaction. So you can truly get an staff. education. Yes, and yeah. truly, truly, just um, have that mentorship um, that may or may not come within a larger, you know, yeah. nothing against yeah. larger institutions. But that was kind of what my mindset was at that time. I was just looking for something smaller, and so Hendrix, I had you know applied to several others. Hendrix was 
um, close enough, but not too too far where I could still drive home on the weekend. Close, but not too far. And, All right. Yes, yes. And then I met my men- my mentor during that time. Jay Barf was my advisor, and okay. um, he encouraged me to go to law school. And in fact, he encouraged me to apply to law schools in Arkansas. <laughs> Um, and that they needed black lawyers in Arkansas. That was kind of one of his um, yes, indeed. reasons to encourage me was to uh, go to law school in Arkansas because we need black lawyers and then stay yes. in Arkansas. So it was, um, it was, you know, his encouragement that, that kind of brought me to that point. And so I attended, you know, four years at Hen- at Hendrix. I got to do lots of things, studied abroad while I was there. Where'd you study at? Um, St. Peter's in Oxford. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Yes, yes, St. Peter's in Oxford, England. So How was um, that? <laughs> oh my God, it was it was a, a whole new world. I, I felt like I was a, a fish out of water, but okay. it was it definitely taught me taught me so much about the world. I got to do good, lots good. of traveling, traveling while I was there. Um studied the you know uh the the british uh political system yes. versus the american political system and there i mean I just just learned so much about you know different cultures in the world and how americans are perceived um just the whole whole new life experience and so i did a semester there um and i uh, got to travel to africa while I was at Hendrix, did two weeks in in Ghana. I mean, Ooh, Hendrix okay. was literally, it literally opened my mind to yeah, from the uh, small mindset. Yes, yeah, yeah. yes, wow. it definitely did. It and just, let me uh, kick the door. I know, I know you did. Before. When was the moment? Because uh, I know back in Memphis, did you did you see did you see yourself as who you are today? Back in back in That's, Memphis, <laughs> no, I had no idea. <laughs> God would bring me to this point. I mean, it just, I i had no idea. I had no idea that my life journey would lead me to this point to where I am. I, I mean, I, I'm just thankful and blessed and, and, you know, just all the disappointments and the, the, you know, obstacles have led me to this point right now to do what I'm doing right now. So yeah, absolutely. So, so good. Um, so good yeah. to come, you know, to come into what your purpose is. And and a lot of people, it's so sad because we, we, we do all these things we seek and we try to find out. But the reality is, is as you mentioned, you know, thank God, because he mm-hmm. truly brings us around, around to our purpose, no matter how far we stumble or move around or, or we don't see the vision. Then, yes. Oh my goodness. You know, I, I, yes, I can stay there for that is- I know. Yes, a word, brother, right there. I mean, it's just what, and it's it's so fitting because while I was at Hendrix, that we studied our vocation in life, like that was part of, you know, like what they required you to do is figure out what is your purpose Mm -hmm. in life. How what is it that you what God has called you to do, and are you serving others in that purpose? And that is just that's just kind of how I've lived my life is just serving others and, you know, you know, figuring out Mm -hmm. how am I fulfilled in whatever career choice I've chosen and making sure that that fulfillment is correct, is directly, you know, connected to service, 
And so that's where that's where I am. That's it. It has to be connected to something tangible that is going to serve the people because we are all of the human family. And that's at the end of the day, these systems that we've created has created a disparity. It's created a gap. It's created mm -hmm. a chasm between us as the human family. And, you know, that the, these things are the things that have really set up what we see taking place in the world today. And that's why I'm so excited that you had the opportunity, you know, you shared with us of being able to study abroad. And, and, and that is appreciative uh, as well, because, it, you know, I say this all the time. I say one of the best features that I've had in this life is the ability to be able to travel. Thank you, sister, for joining yeah. as well. I see one of our sisters is, has joined us as well on the panel here. So thank you for stepping up. And, you know, before we talk about, because I want to get to solutions, I know you've got some ideas here. I've, I've read just a little bit about, you know, some of the things that you have out there in regards to your help. You talked a little bit briefly about it, but I want to dive into, you know, just some solutions. I always like to end with talking about solutions. Uh, but before we get there, though, you mentioned studying the English system. Now, the English system is what was the precursor to what we now have established here in our land. Uh, what we call the 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 Western world or North North America, uh, specifically the United States, right? Because it was a precursor yeah. to help us establish that. Can you tell us just a brief, you know, you know, briefly, just a little bit about, um, you know, what the basis of that system was, based on your study? Well, it was simply the same as what our founding fathers have um, are using. I mean, their their system definitely. Built, we built on their system. Um, it was all about, you know, making sure that you are accountable to your your good man, mm -hmm. um, that nobody is overlooked. It's uh, equality. Um, the democracy is 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 a little bit different in the sense that, you know, there's they have a different um, voting Cold. system, mm -hmm. but it's but it's definitely all about representing the majority um now go. they do the have people. a monarchy yes for the people there is a monarchy but that monarchy has very limited powers there you um, go. that that don't override the interest of um all the all all people and so um the monarchy <laughs> is more or less about you know, the spirit of the people and ensuring that the people have something to almost look, look to, um, as more so than as leaders and, and just things that motivate us, that give us that inspiration to get up every day. You know, that the queen yeah. is all hell, the queen that, that, that's, you know, you, you have people that really look to that for that inspiration for sure. and motivation, um, which, you know, is a little bit different than we view our president mm -hmm. here. Um, and so it's almost um, it's almost just something that gives the people something to look forward to. Like we do celebrities, they they treat their queens as celebrities. But um, it's I mean, American systems were built off British political um, foundations and we just they they we took it to another notch yeah. but they they have it's been the same for years and um the parliamentary is just it governs how that the laws and um are are administered there um and so 
Uh, that's pretty much all I remember from from those years mm-hmm. at Hendricks. But it's it, but it was a definitely a buildup of the dem- democratic system we have today. Let me ask you this, because based based on, you know, just that understanding, uh, we know that this this nation was established on those principles, right? The principle of religious freedom. We also know that they were established on what's called indentured servitude. What influence Mm -hmm. did the European system have on our democracy here? Well, I think that's everything. I mean, (laughs) it's kind of I mean, it's everything. I mean, they. Um, definitely had um, a system that essentially is what we're using, mm-hmm. but we decided to get rid of, you know, after after a fight and a war, we decided to get rid of uh, of, of slavery after fighting of many years and, you know, overcoming so much, we decided to let go of some of those tenets and principles. But yeah. um, the United Kingdom, you know, they they had a you know, somewhat of a constitutional monarchy that that each, you know, country had their own type mm-hmm. of federalism systems. And so, um, you know, we we built some of those tenants on our governmental system up based on the same uh, structure, but it's just been more of a representative of, of each person. There you go. Um, where each vote matters as opposed to certain... Um, uh, uh, parties matter. There you go. Um, and so that that's the difference, and we've built on those, and it's created a, a, a democratic um, government now. Let me get my uh, my sister in here. I saw that you you uh, you know stood up to to speak as well, and my brother Will. I see you joined as well. Thank you for being here. Let me let me open up the floor for both of you. Anything to say? Let me start with my sister first, Sharonda. I'm just supporting uh, Miss Miss Connors. Oh, awesome! Well, hey, we thank you so <laughs> much hey, for being Sharonda, here. Hey, Sharonda, how you doing? Hey, Connor. <laughs> awesome, awesome, and, and our brother Will, um, if he'd like to, you, you're more than welcome to step up as well at any time, brother Will. Let's talk about racism, because as I mentioned at the very, very beginning of the episode, this justice system, this justice system, was created by founding fathers, men who said that that they trembled at the fact that our God is just and that His justice will not sleep forever. And the reality is those men, while proclaiming to be just, were also slave owners. So what role has the British system played in creating racism? And I mean creating because it was created. Well, I, I mean, racism has always been in existence before uh, the UK um uh, British systems were developed. I think to say that um, to say that the U the British government system created racism, I I don't know. Well, I'll give I you would... I'll give you this point. Can so, I can I give you this uh, the anti amalgamation law? So not specifically them creating it. And you're right. You're spot on with saying that that it was uh, it was here because the reality is is that it was. But I'm talking specifically to the the anti-amalgamation laws, which created the terms white and black and made that separation from what used to be nationality, which was used to identify people prior to that, to being identified now based on the outward appearance as opposed to where you came from. Mm-hmm. So those were social constructs that were literally 
um, in my opinion, just formalized. I think if you look at any governmental, um, historically governmental yes. systems created um, um, race race roles, essentially, or just a hierarchy on racism and who was the um, dominant or superior race. I mean, I don't think it's, um, you know, unique to Brit British. I mean, they, they, British, British systems may have formalized it, but I think those laws um, were are not uncommon in any um, class in system any in India, for example. Yep. Yes, yep. classism yep. in his, in mm -hmm. India. I mean, you can go uh, in any in any country. There's mm -hmm. a history of some type of, of oppression. Uh, oppression, yes, and class of people. So, I, I think that Britain Britain may have had a role in how the American system um, developed, um, you know, these, the slavery, you know, mm -hmm. but I think that those principles were in play well before an organized uh, governmental system. Um, and so that, that would be my take on it based on just the history lessons that we see and how every society and every country has had um, racism being um, institutionalized in one form or another. And let me ask you, have you heard of uh, what was called the Black Code, which then, what well, was the Slave Code, which then migrated into the Black Code, which was used yes. to pass certain laws right after the um, Emancipation Proclamation? The Civil War. Yeah, mm -hmm. you go. <laughs> mm -hmm. So talk to me about the influence that, that those laws, those specific set of laws had on what we see in modern day. I, I mean... That's another loaded question. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, black codes were created uh, to obviously oppress um, those that had been um, recently emancipated. Um, and it was created to um, of oppress those that, 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 you know, the Americans, certain government systems did not want to, um, you know, flourish after slavery. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that, that that tenet and that way of thinking may still exist in certain, um, certain in people's minds, certain uh, lawmakers' minds, um, but those laws are no longer, you know, in play. Um, and we, and those that have been elected have at least, at least attempted, whether that They've had that impact mm -hmm. or not to equalize uh, communities, but unfortunately, um, you know, there's been some disparate hey, impact in the way that the laws have been written. Um, there's a bottle in so the fridge for him too. And whether or not those him. black codes still play a factor, I don't, uh -huh. I can't say on its surface, but we know the disparate impact certain over laws time. have on certain over time yep. to serve for certain communities. Um, so I think that we, you know, as a country, thankfully, we've moved away from black codes, but mm -hmm. there are, you know, certain laws that are 94 crime bill, right? The 94 <laughs> three strike law. Yes. Ronald and, Reagan before um, that, the crack epidemic. Yes. Yeah, so the, 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 you know, one rock is, uh, you know, life in prison, you know, those but powder cocaine, right. <laughs> 
Yes. So those would that's what I call disparate impact. They don't have the um yeah, you know, the language of uh all black men need to go to prison if they get you know, charged with a uh cocaine crime, mm-hmm. but it has that impact. Um Absolutely. So but you know, and I think that's the difference in what you're saying about the black codes. The black codes were actually drafted for that's to it. to say black people were not equal and they were one you know not even equally a whole man or yep, you know whatever the, of a human the, being the, according three to three fifths the, of a yeah. human correct correct so that's the difference i think um is that there are laws that yes have a disparate impact but that are not um uh drafted in a way to be um overtly racist yeah you got it you got it and and so let's i, I want to talk um a little bit about solutions because we know right now, right? We 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 talked a little bit about the history that's there, and then you and I mean, any, I encourage anyone who you know has been inspired by the conversation that the sister has dropped today and, and and the knowledge that the queen has brought in regards to you know just some of the impacts and just what she's been doing. I encourage you to to do some more research. Just jump out there, research you know just some of the things that have led up to a lot of the impacts that we see in today's society. And then you think about some of the, the repercussions and, and to be fair, right? People who create laws are creating them in a vacuum of time, right? We're creating mm-hmm. them in, in a, in an area or in a region to solve a problem that we see with society. It's supposed to bring about a more civil union. That's the, that's the goal. But we've seen that, that, creation has actually done the opposite of that. It's created a separation specifically in the black family, right? Mm-hmm. Let's talk solutions. Absolutely. Let's talk some solutions. Um, solutions, I mean, staying civically engaged is a huge, huge factor, I think, in any solution that you may um, want to, to change in your communities. Um, I mean, we've got to vote folks in that, that represent us and, and know the history behind, Mm -hmm. um, the, that whether a law that they may be voting on could have a, a dramatic impact on the community. um, No, not warrants. No, not warrants. No. I mean, just so many things that can have a, um, a a drastic and just horrible impact on our our communities and so making sure you're civically engaged making sure you vote community legislators that come yes that that represent the community yes um you know getting back to that foundation where i in my opinion where the church was the was kind of the um, central um, used to be the power powerhouse. Yeah, that was it. Where everybody yes, could meet. It, it, was. it was a meeting place. Yes, where churches, where when you when your pastor spoke about could speak about political issues that would invoke change. Change and it's almost yeah, and it's almost almost like some pastors don't even talk poly- They don't want to even bring it up. It's like oh, that's too polarizing we're not going to talk about that hard stuff um and we're going to keep it keep it light and fluffy but no you got you you know we need that religious leadership to where they you know because folks put stock in what pastors say we need pastors to get out here and speak against social 
um, injustices and criminal justice reform and signing off on certain um, legislation and lobbying for certain legislation. There you go. We need those pastoral um, influences in that in that realm, and we just sure don't thing. see that anymore. We don't see that anymore, and so getting back to that it would be my would be one of my solutions and just picking folks that represent your what you believe that's it doing your your values your principles yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so speaking of principles speaking of speaking of values and and you know the brother that was on earlier uh dr thomas jackson that is one of the reasons why i invited him we've been doing homeless missions here in phoenix right now our population of homeless has grown exponentially the people that we've talked to down there several times this year have stated that the families that are coming out there or are, are younger and there are more of them coming out there every single day. So we've got a, We've got a crisis in the land. And that sense of that principle of what you're talking about, the principle of community, the principle of the church really going out and being about the body of believers, the people of God and working and serving him. And I, we, we, we've, we've literally walked that here in the city, in, in the streets of Phoenix um, this year. And Lord willing, if it be the will of the Lord. This coming upcoming Saturday, we are going to plan a benefit concert for the homeless downtown. Uh, So that being said, that principle of community. I think that's a very vital part of what you're talking about there is that we've really got to get our legislators, our our people who you know are running for office, our people that are supposed to represent us as a people. We have definitely got to get them out in the community and involved. And it seems like we, we, we've done so many divisions and things like that, that it has caused a separation amongst us to, to keep us divided amongst ourselves, that we can't even come together just even as a family within within family walls. Uh, so, you know, I think I think you bring up a very interesting point there that that just that power. We've got to get back to that that point. So thank you for sharing your your your, your thoughts on that. And. I know we've got just a few minutes left and I, and I want to really load up this, this next piece though. Um, 10 years from now, I'm going to give you, give me your target here, right? 10 years from now, where do you see justice for all people, all people in, in America? And then more broadly, how do we really influence that worldwide? Wow, that's one I have to think about. Um, <laughs> I'm loading you up today. <laughs> I know you are. You making me work over here. I mean, I you know honestly, I I can't even give you a conceptualize it because here's the thing: we all believed that when mm-hmm. what you Obama, said on paper, <laughs> Obama. No, we all believe when Obama was elected Barack Hussein Obama that a change was here elected elected into office we <laughs> thought that the yeah. world had opened its eyes and that it was rainbows <laughs> and sunshines and kumbayas and we are the world we we thought the world had healed honestly the nation had Oof. healed Oof. And uh, at least I did. Maybe mm-hmm. I was drinking the Kool Aid too, but I thought the I think world we all we took on a piece of that. I, all of us did. Yes. <laughs> and I mean, and now we fast forward eight years later, and it's almost as if there has been some type of um, rewind in in um, in our uh, nation 
on race relations and um, and just you know coming together as as uh, individuals on what justice looks like. Um, and it's been an, almost an erosion on what we what had where we had come from at the time that um, Obama was elected. Yeah. And so it's really hard to say, uh, you know, Nick, because I would think with with seeing that mm -hmm. seeing him elected, there would have been such huge progress, uh, which I believe there has been. Don't get Absolutely. me wrong. I, I, I don't lose hope that our nation is has uh, overcome the racial um the prejudices that were brought about over um you know the years but yeah. i can't say i would pray that justice looks like you know no one going um yeah, no matter the color fear of being shot you know no one being mm -hmm. shot in their home uh during a no-knock warrant execution nobody being um you know, pulled over and racially profiled. Um, no one uh, feeling as if they um, can't be heard uh, in any court of law or that are being wrongfully convicted based on uh, prejudices. I mean, that's what I would hope in 10 years. I would hope for that tomorrow, but we're living in a world where, where we, where unfortunately we're seeing this more and more. And I don't know if it's because there's this prevalence of social media and news circuits that emphasize that, but yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I really hope to see that. I really hope to see a community where, or a nation where Absolutely. The, those, those, those things are, aren't being sensationalized. Yeah. Um, the police aren't killing um, men in traffic stops. That's what I would like to see. Um, and one, we, and one thing that you that if we change just one thing, if you had a magic wishing, you know, list that you could wish, one thing that we could change that would really have an impact. Oh wow! I would <laughs> require if I. I'm had, getting you good I, today. <laughs> if I were, if I can make it change something. I would require every police officer to okay. live in the community that wow. they wow gov that they um, get to know the police. people. Wow! You, like if you want to be a police officer, you have to live not only in the city. I'm not saying the city. I'm saying if you are assigned an area to police, you have to live in that area. Period. That's what I'd like to see. And that would bring about a tremendous change because I believe that putting people in the environment in which they are now doing their works in yep. would allow for them to truly be able to understand what it is to bring. And that, that's why, you know, I spoke about the work that we've been doing, because by putting ourselves in that environment, there's a lot. There's not a lot of people that are just well, I'll take that back. I'm not even going to tell that lie because we've seen more and more people out there helping than what we saw when we first started. it. But there's not a lot of our people that are our leaders in our communities that are down there necessarily doing the works and helping out the people in our communities that are in mm -hmm. need. And by putting, you know, requiring officers to at least, you know, come from that neighborhood because now mm -hmm. you, you see this little boy that you see every single day and now there's something that he committed. You can, you can make that judgment call to really mm -hmm. allow for true justice to take place in the land, allow for them yep. to correct their wrong deeds as opposed to putting them in, 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 in this pipeline that I mentioned earlier 
and, and, mm-hmm. and, and getting them wrapped up into something that's going to bring about separation from their family. As you mentioned, the, the hurt and the trauma that our families and our communities face because we've been torn and ripped apart. And you think about that concept that came back from slavery. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, so I think yeah. that would be, be, I think that's your spot on there. Thank you for sharing that. And before we get out of here, I want to make sure to, to allow for the opportunity to, for people to know where can they first off find you? How can they get in contact with you? How can they support you? And how can we continue this work that you've already started? Absolutely. Thank you. Um, I uh, am on all social media platforms. Uh, so, uh, well, not all. I mean, correct, because I'm learning about things every day. But uh, Hey, that's I right. Constant learning. renewal of the mind every day. <laughs> I, uh, so I'm on Facebook, uh, Cara Connors uh, for Circuit Court Judge. You can find me there. Also, um, Cara Connors for Judge on Instagram. Um, I have a website. Which district is that, uh, by the way? That's 12. Okay, 12th uh, district. Uh, six, six, uh, it's actually the 6th judicial district, but it's 12th, 12th division, okay. Pulaski okay. County Court. Um, okay. Pulaski, so it's in Pulaski County, Arkansas, but it's 12th division, Pulaski County Court. Um, and it, it, it would, I would hear cases all over Pulaski County and Perry County, okay, good, Arkansas. Good, good. Um, and you were but, mentioning the website. Uh, yes, the website is caraconnorsforjudge.com. So you can go on C-A-R- my website. C-A-R-A- C-A-R-C-O-N-N-O-R-S for com. So caraconnorsforjudge.com. And you can, um, you know, go on there and learn more about me and my campaign. And if you want to volunteer, help out, you can um, indicate so there as well. Um, oh, I wish but, I was still in Little Rock. See, I, I didn't. Yes. I don't know what it was. <laughs> I did when I was in Little Rock. I, you know, I, and again, as time increased, so does knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. I wasn't doing nearly as much as the work that I'm doing for my community here. You know, we, we, we've been blessed with the ability to purchase a home. My family's here. And, you know, even in learning my ancestry, I learned that my people who were the Pima County Sonora people and my 12th gene, uh, gene pool, they uh-huh. lived in Pima County, Arizona and moved to literally, if I look out my balcony right now, I can see the Salt Real River. So they moved to this area way, way back in, in my ancestry. But it, it for something, something just just gravitated me to this place. It's like, you know, God always has a purpose. And it was on his prayer and his hope that he brought me here. And, but, you know, I wish I would have really got involved as much as, 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 as I am now with, you know, trying to help out our people. I've always been a people person. But, you know, I, I had to work on some things for myself to really figure out how can I best help people? How can I best serve people? Um, and so, yeah. you know, I appreciate the work you're doing there and people, if you're listening to this and you're in that area, I want you to make sure to jump onto her website. I want you to support this sister and everything that she's doing. We got to uplift our people and not bring them down. So I want you to jump out there and do it. Continue. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I, I had to say that. piece. No, you're fine. <laughs> you're fine. No, I mean, if I'm, I'm just out here serving the community, I'm still, practicing law i'm still serving on all the commissions and boards and committees and volunteer um organizations that i do i mean i'm i'm still here serving so anybody interested in 
um, serving the people. I'm I'm here. I'm I'm available. Good. You have questions, feel free to contact. Hit me up. I'm here as a servant. So that's it. Oh my goodness. Thank thank. Cara, I cannot thank you enough um, for jumping onto this platform, for sharing a little bit of your heart with us. And I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you one final question, just FYI. And it is going to be a tough one for you uh, <laughs> before we get out of here. But I want to first express my appreciation and gratitude for you, for one, dedicating this time to be on, to speak to our people, to speak truth to power, and to really just spread the message of what you've been doing for the community, how you've been helping out people there. And I want to ask you just this one final question. You being a legal ex expert, you've worked on many cases, I'm sure, over the years. Tell me the what you can tell me i know there's some legal parameters but tell me what you can tell me about that one case that really changed it for you oh wow <laughs> i told you it was loaded the one, <laughs> <laughs> the one case that changed it for me oh wow it was honestly um gosh it was actually one a case that um, that I had tried, um, as a prosecutor and it was a case where I was, um, prosecuting a young man for aggravated robbery. Um, and we lost the case as, as prosecutors, but what I, what I learned during that process is that my alleged victim in that case had lied to us during the course of preparation and it just it i think it literally knocked me over that um Ooh, people that are lie people. that lie you people gotta come truthful people. justice is truth yeah there i mean people are, it let me know people are people despite whether they're plaintiffs or defendants um it definitely showed me that um we are flawed no matter whether you're being charged with a crime or a victim of a crime we are flawed and that it takes folks being able to look past the writing on the paper and to look at people to make the right decisions for people and so that's what that moment did for me that changed me um immensely and it definitely yeah. Mm. um made me made me um value things a little bit differently so yeah wow absolutely that was the that was the case that changed me <laughs> that's awesome well and you know oh my goodness things like that will definitely change a person it can change you in two one of two ways right because you know you, you put all your hard work you put your life out there on the line essentially your 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 what you do for a living is is sort serve people and to have and face that disappointment of someone uh doing the thing that we that we all can can say we're guilty of which is you know telling telling a lie especially in that type of moment those are the moments where you really need to be truthful and honest if you want your attorney to help you out be honest with them Mm -hmm. oh my goodness if you yeah, want the yeah. judge to be able to help you out and understand your situation we have to get beyond ourselves and our deeds that we've done and come humbly to mercy whenever we do deeds absolutely. we got to own up absolutely absolutely so wow so thank you again so much for joining this it's been an awesome conversation and uh you know 
again, people, you can find this conversation at an overstanding word podcast. Uh, you can find it uh, on all of your major platforms platforms for podcasts it will be available here for replay as well within the clubhouse uh so again you know thank you so much for all that you do and the election again is may the 24th is that right that's correct that's correct so may the 24th we need your support we need your help look no longer shall justice stand and not have a voice if you truly want a voice that represents you as a people you will go out and support my sister. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Nick. And you uh, keep doing the amazing work you're doing and representing the um, the thankless and the voiceless and the under underheard. The, um, so keep doing what you're doing. Look, this is the work that, that my creator has given to me to do. And so once I uncovered that, after all my years of foolishness and mischief, <laughs> um, this this is what he's called me to do. So who am I to deny what he's called me to do? Amen, brother. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll talk to you later. Thank you so much for joining okay. again. Peace. Thank you. Peace. So again, you heard it first. That's our sister. She joined. Look, we know what is going on right now in this world. Truth is the reality that we need to live in as a people, as a nation, uh, as a family, as a individual first. Let's start reflecting on ourselves. Let's correct ourselves. Let's check ourselves and let's come back to truth. Truth is what truly allows for justice to prevail in the land. And today we're glad and thankful to be able to bring you this truth. Before we get out of here, I just wanted to remind you that we will be switching over our platform to Patreon. So for those that have had the opportunity to already subscribe, it's patreon.com forward slash Nakia 17. We are doing a work for our creator and we would love to have your support in that. You can do that either by, you know, a monthly donation or you can do that by a actual one-time donation. Again, the most important thing that we also need from you is your prayers that our creator would continue to bring us up out of the conditions, that he would re-educate us and bring us back to our true beauty, our true majesty. If you haven't also checked out the Modern Day Slave podcast, you can find it on all major platforms as well. Just jump on, search for the Modern Day Modern Dash Day Slave podcast. You will find it there. Uh, where we talk about, you know, the reality of the physical change no longer being there. It's the mental prisons that that, uh, you know, that we, we, we face in these days and times. And if you haven't checked out the fundraiser, we do have a fundraiser that is out there available for people. It is on GoFundMe. The fundraiser is called Giving It Away to Walk in the Presence of God. If you t- type in GoFundMe.com slash present god that's p-r-e-s-e-n-t-g-o-d you will find the link there we'd love to have your support and being able to really continue the support that we've already started and established with helping out our people that are in need we mentioned the fact that we've got a homeless population that is growing ever more here in the city of phoenix and we really want your your support to to continue the works of being able to sow a seed of truth back into our people and bring about the justice that our creator is allowing for us to do and restoring his people to their righteous place. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Peace. The slave master 
loses the moment we start to recognize that we're on the plantation. When he continues to put his yoke of bondage out in plain sight for you and you ignore it by not feeding into the trap that he's laid before you, you then win your freedom. Welcome to your freedom. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Modern Day Slave Podcast, where we expose the stumbling block that was placed by the slave master in order to keep the modern day slave under their yoke of bondage. You have just been freed. Welcome to your freedom.